Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and I am with TJ Ware today. How are you doing, TJ? I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. TJ, is is it you're one of the owners for NTS and one of the owners for Paradise Claims? Uh, my wife and I own Paradise Claims by ourselves, uh, but I'm, awesome. the found, I'm the founder and majority partner at NTS. Yes. Okay, so if you could give us a one or two minute version of your background, just for people that don't know you to get on board and understand why us talking about the, these topics related to roofing, um, they should listen to you basically. Well, um, started off, I, I had a roofing and electrical contracting business for seven years in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, after that, I did some supplementing, got my public adjusting license and then founded Paradise Claims. Since then, I've gone to found NTS, and I'm also involved in a lot of industry nonprofits, the American Policy Holder Association, uh, American Policy Holder Association, the American Adjuster Association, and uh, American Policy Holder for Fair Insurance Claims. That's the political action committee that is, uh, you know, it, it has a similar mission as the American Policy Holder Association, the APA. So I've been involved in some of those things. I testified in front of Louisiana Congress in 2020 about issues from Hurricane Laura. Obviously, I worked a ton of claims in Hurricane Laura. And really, that's where a lot of people in the industry became uh, more familiar with me because of the amount of growth uh, and exposure that we had down there. Awesome. Okay, so TJ, how did we get connected? What, what's our backstory? We got okay. to talk about this first. So people in my office, this was just, uh, this was this week, early this week, a couple of days ago. They were talking about uh, a comment thread that was, um, there was a bunch of controversy going on and, and it's on Tim Brown's thread. And I said, well, which Tim Brown? I tried to look it up. I said, which Tim Brown? And they said, the one that shares all the memes. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> can't think of a Tim Brown like that. So after a few minutes, I come to realize that you must have blocked me. I mean, I went and checked <laughs> who I blocked first, although my list is short. And... Uh, and I thought, well, Tim Brown must have blocked me, and I don't know why. So I was at the gym. I gave your office a call, and uh, a lady took a message, and I said, hey, just have Tim call me. And, uh, and then I received a LinkedIn Connect request. I was like, okay, he got the message. Let's see if he calls. And then, of course, you did and figured out that you're just an a-hole or something. <laughs> it's true. It's definitely true. So I actually don't know why I blocked TJ. Uh, I told them I am pretty liberal with my blocking because, you know, and I did have that thread, that same thread that you're talking about on Facebook. There's this guy just like ripping everyone. Dude, that guy I just blocked. I mean, I blocked basically anyone that, that you probably did something. That guy, that guy's on my block list too. So okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of those dudes. What we'll say is, and we'll talk about this. We're going to talk about um, NTS versus ITEL. Um, and we're trying to give, give the pros and cons of each, as well as we're going to talk about social media sales and networking. And we're also going to talk just a little bit about your background and different things. Dude, DJ has, uh, was in the Marines. He lived on the street when he was 15. He survived our rocket attack in 04. He has 10 kids, 10 kids. So this is an interesting guy here. So we got all kinds of things to talk about today. Um, first, 
just on that topic of social media, it's crazy that people burn all kinds of bridges on social media. Why are they doing that? There's real money to be made. And if you are just, you know what I'm saying? Like, and technically I burned this bridge. So I am also one of these people. I have been um, erratic on social media before. I'm sure you've been, I'm sure we all do sometimes, but in this situation, the other day, the thread that you're talking about where this guy's just running his mouth on all these um, comments, people really don't realize that that does, that can affect your reputation. I wouldn't do that because people could one star our business. I've had a lot of, like, I don't know. I've had a lot of very influential people that have reached out to me and they've told me, I've watched you on Facebook for a long time. And you can mm-hmm. really kind of vet somebody's professionalism, if nothing else, through their mm-hmm. Facebook interactions. For me, I always take the high road, but there was a defining moment several years ago where I learned to stay away from the controversial. And so mm-hmm. that's something. It's not for everybody. Some people thrive on the controversial, but I don't like to be controversial. I like to have friends. I like to meet people and I like to look for ways we can help each other. But yeah, you may remember several years ago, um, there was all this police brutality stuff and I made this scathing yeah. post, uh, you know, talking about police brutality because I'm someone who's seen both sides of that and, and I had spoken harshly about some things some police officers had done. And that night was that big shooting in Dallas where those cops got shot. And so it was the worst timing oh my God. in the entire world. And that taught, oh me a quick, God, it taught me a quick lesson about delving into controversial topics on Facebook. Yeah. And ever since then, really, I've shied away from that. And I've just tried to use it for positivity. Yeah. How's that worked out for you? Very well. So how much sales have you seen from doing social media and networking? Well, I I mentioned some of this uh, to you before, but from 2020 through 2021, uh, I signed up about $150 million in claims, mostly through Facebook. And then I turned away another 70 million because we didn't have the capacity. And Mm. uh, it's been good and bad. Uh, It's more sales than I ever expected. Uh, People, a lot of people out there get to know you through social media and it creates some pretty interesting situations. Absolutely. And, you know, what I think of some people think that social media is just about getting the sale, the one sale. And my biggest like kind of paradigm shift that I try to help people with is like, what about those referral partners? <laughs> and what about the impression that you can make on them if you act kind of, you know, you you make sure you're acting nicely. You know what I mean? Like there's, I'm missing out on TJ Ware as a referral partner because I blocked him a while back. But I I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to kind of change the mind, their, their mind and the way they're thinking of this to better, it's basically word of mouth on steroids, right? Social media. So like, yeah. Well, you know, there's a book behind you that I read in 2017 that was a a paradigm shift for me. And it's that 10X rule. And really what you described just now, the difference between going after a potential customer or client and and, and going after a good potential referral source is a 10X difference. And if you're Mm. looking for referral sources in your marketing and your networking, then you have the ability to exponentially increase, increase your inbound stuff. Mm. 
and it's beautiful once it hits once you get a couple of them and i'm not saying that it's like we're the best at this i literally feel like a, a year and a half ago i just discovered like oh referrals are real real and referral sources are real and i i kind of like realized that and everything changed because then i'm talking to those people and and the leads keep increasing you know because i'm i'm thinking of it completely differently and roofing companies should be doing the same thing. Like there's so many referral sources and I'm seeing one right now, this OG client that I have, they've changed their mind. They're going to realtors. They're going to insurance agents. They're going to, they're having coffee with people. Like they weren't doing that. They were just door knocking. You know, they're having coffee with people. They're going into insurance agents offices, you know, like shout out to Matt Danskin. I think he's, you know, proliferated that really with the insurance agents, even more than, um, it has been, and they're, they're expecting to double sales in one year from 5 million to 10 million. And I think that they're on course. So it's kind of crazy. Just that I know, I know that there's other good things going on in their marketing. Cause we're part of some of them, but that one thing I think is responsible for a big chunk and increase. And I can't, I can't take credit for that. So, well, I, I believe that, and it has to do with delayed gratification. You've got to get past the mindset of the work that I put in today has to pay me today. And when you start to look at the bigger picture and you, you already come to that mindset that you're here to stay as a company, as a business, then you start mm -hmm. to store for the winter and store for the future. And as you invest in those relationships, at a certain point, I tell people this, I just talked to a contractor about this today. At a certain point, a lot of people stop door knocking because they don't have time to. Mm. I love this store for winter mindset and it comes sometimes and I'm guessing it's come for you too through this is like when you have too much business and you're like, I still like marketing. So you just, you, you soften it and you go to brand activity and like, I'm going to do something charitable and we're creating reputation because you have enough leads for this week and you have enough leads for this month. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you're exactly right. You have to maintain the brand because uh, our news cycle, our thought cycle in America is so short that if you're not constantly posting, at least for that branding action, you're going to become irrelevant. People are going to forget about you very quickly. So even when you're not selling, if you're not out there running that branding machine, then unfortunately, you're going to have to restart that machine when you want to refill that pipeline. Mm, and that's, I, I get really into this. I think Joseph Hughes gets really into this, but it's the dig your, your well before you're thirsty mindset. And it's a book about networking, but I think it definitely has to do with social networking as, you know, Facebook and stuff like that too. Dig your well before you're thirsty. Joe has coached me quite a bit in the last couple of yeah. years. You know, we became mm -hmm. fast friends, mostly from the conference circuit uh, and, mm -hmm. and really connecting with a lot of those people in the industry, like Danskin and I together now run the Catalyst Group. Uh, I'm the events chair over at Catalyst, and Danskin, I think, is the president or whatever they call it. He took that over from Troy Clymer recently. And having an opportunity to spend time with those people has really sharpened me and, and taught me more things than I've been able to teach others. Mm, I like it. Shout out to the Catalyst Group on that one. Um, I might be a prospect in the Catalyst Group's funnel, but uh, <laughs> that's good. Hey, listen, we need more membership. Yeah. We realized, yeah, we 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 recently made a pivot over at Catalyst, and we've decided 
that, uh, that we've been a little bit too exclusive. Okay. Yeah. And for us to be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish in the markets that we're working in, it'll help us. It'll enhance uh, our, our uh, ability to accomplish those goals. If we bring on more membership, people, maybe a more diverse membership and a greater number of members, it's always been a very kind of small, exclusive club, but we maybe want to be a young buck or two, maybe a guy that's kind of just the, the, the little tiger, just re- not quite roaring, you know, that kind of guy, you know, Listen, to bring we'll finish in. this, we'll yeah. finish this thing today and, and I'll let you know what I think. All right, cool. So. You know, you, you, being that you served in Iraq, it sounds like you were, you know, you've been through some shit, <laughs> you know, living on the streets at 15 and, and, you know, have surviving a rocket attack in Iraq. So I have to do it. What is like business or what in war is, is related to business? What concepts overlap? What prepared you for being uh, as in business, um, what you are today through combat. I'm going to tell you, um, Doug Quinn, who's a fellow Marine, Doug's the executive director of the APA, but he also founded an organization called USDR, United Survivors Disaster Relief. And part of the mission of USDR is using victims, trauma victims, to help serve those that have become victimized through disaster. And I have found and learned that I do operate and function well in the post-disaster environment. And I'm sure a lot of that comes from that background in combat and in training in the Marine Corps, things like that. So it is a place where I go in and I'm able to function pretty well considering the circumstances. And that's one of the reasons I think we ended up sticking it out uh, in Hurricane Laura when most PA firms chose not to operate in Louisiana after the storm. And many of those who did chose to leave pretty quickly. Mm. That's very interesting. Okay. Let's get into the N- Let's get into the NTS versus ITEL stuff. So give me the pros and cons for ITEL first, and then we'll go into them for NTS pros and so, cons for ITEL. ITEL is well-established. Okay. Um, they're very well recognized, especially amongst the insurance industry, uh, which is, is a benefit for, for ITEL or for someone using ITEL. Um, they do accept a lot more products than NTS accepts. NTS only accepts shingles currently. And ITEL, although they may be well known for shingles amongst roofers, I spoke to a lady that worked for ServPro yesterday, and she didn't even know they did shingles. She always sends them cabinet samples, flooring, carpet, things like that because uh, ITEL does a lot of different types of materials, including siding. NTS only does shingles, but it's our belief that we have a better process and a much uh, more useful report for the asphalt shingles that is more useful for a contractor or a public adjuster or a policyholder. What's, what's a con? So to con to working with NTS, do you have any? To NTS? Um, Right now, if uh, depending on what product it is, uh, some of our reports are taking a little bit longer because they have to go through more quality control. So I think we've had some reports that go out beyond seven days before you get it back. So that can be a challenge for someone who's in a time crunch. Also, a lot of people, 
they want to send other materials, stone-coated steel, specialty roofing products, tile, slate, things like that. And unfortunately, we just haven't uh, expanded our report line yet to accommodate those. Okay. And it sounds like in the future, so we're talking in 2022 right now, it sounds like in the future, you guys are considering like switching the name to name that surface and potentially including other types of materials and potentially in the future. You know, the company itself is actually called NTS. NTS, that's the name of the company. Yep. It's going to stay the name of the company. Um, but the, face, the Facebook group where a lot of people have come to know about NTS did recently go through a name change so that it could purposefully differentiate itself as a Facebook group from the company NTS yep. that does the single reporting. Mm, gotcha. Okay. And any other things that you want to share? It sounds like from what I, I listened to, another podcast about this a little bit before and the lab is in texas it sounds like technicians analyze it there and, and you guys i don't know what that process looks like is there anything that you can give any more just like describe the process a little bit or how far can you go into like what happens just i'm curious i'm sure the audience is curious and just kind of like understanding a little bit more into this very niche thing Sure. Um, our, our lab is kind of uh, set up essentially in a warehouse. And so we have a receiving department where the shingle has a plastic tag attached to it once it's received, match it up with the customer number, and then it goes into our report system. Uh, it has a tech, uh, there's, a, there's a station where a technician takes 13 different measurements from the shingle, takes some different photos, and then records certain documentation inside our software system. There are several more steps in the, in the technical uh, data collection on, on the shingle. And then a report is produced and we have a number of templates. Once we identify the shingle, uh, the software has a, a section where there's a number of templates that currently exist for different products. And then that template that's appropriate for that product will be selected and already has the supporting documentation attached. If the customer has asked for a color selection as well, which we found not to be useful for the vast majority of customers, color is not an issue, but that is an additional service that we can perform if you select it, and then it will go through another process where they determine the color, which actually includes having to clean the shingle and things like that. Um, there are some little complications with this process that we didn't foresee in the very beginning. That's why the company launched in early 2021 but we did beta testing uh, from people that we had found in the Facebook group. We did beta testing all the way until the week before Thanksgiving uh, back in November. And that's when we finally went live with revenue. And that's when people started paying for the reports. And between then and now, you know, we're running 150 reports a week, but we hope to increase to a thousand reports a week by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I know that you talked a little bit about how coming from the electrician world, mm -hmm. uh, you code compliance was a very big thing. And oddly enough, um, it's not as big, but it should be um, if, if you're going to basically void cer certain warranties and stuff like that on a particular shingle or um, type of shingle. So basically like, that code compliance is part of the the reason technically that roofers send in samples right like they 
they want to prove that it's not going to be compliant to an insurance company. I'm, I'm trying to understand the value proposition. Is that true? So a, a lot of people um, know that the, that the shingle doesn't match the shingle that's up there. And they yeah. know that the insurance company should replace the entire roof, but they don't know why. Yeah. And the, the reason why could be one of several different answers. But mm. specifically when it comes to code compliance, all building code is predicated on the principle that in order for anything to be code compliant, any material has to be installed per the manufacturer's instructions. And that became more apparent to me in electrical code because it's something that's very often repeated. But on yeah. the roofing side, I realized it's not something that most people have honed in on. We did realize that the manufacturers have provided documentation to show that they disallow the mixing of their product with other products. Because of that, it then becomes a code violation to install yeah. that product or to, to go purchase a different product that is not compatible and install it as a method of repair on a roof. Hmm. And so in a way, very good thing. Very good thing when that happens in a way, because then the homeowner gets a, an actual full fix to their situation, not just a Band-Aid, basically. Now, when I put my public adjuster hat on, I talk about indemnification, right? Making my client whole or restoring them to their pre-loss condition. That's yeah. the insurance company's duty and responsibility according to an insurance policy. A spot repair with non-matching products is not indemnification. It does not restore them to their pre-loss condition. So there's a valid reason that this is so valuable for the policyholder. Mm. Which I love. And I appreciate you walking through that. I feel like sometimes, you know, I'm like I told you, I'm a noob. So I like though coming from the noob position because there are other roofers out there. Or there, I'm not a roofer, but you know, there are roofers out there that are in their first couple of years and they're going to be legitimate businesses and they're going to be super cool, but they're not there yet. And they're still learning this stuff. And, and, you know, I think you're, you know, talking through the indemnification. And then how you say it? Indemnification. So, Tim, you were talking a minute ago about uh, Facebook and social media and stuff like that. What I realize is I run into roofers all the time that may have been doing this for 10 or 15 years, but their skills and knowledge never evolved beyond that baby roofer stage. And a lot mm -hmm. of it is because I'm comparing them with people that may have been in this industry for a year, but they're thriving in these groups. They're learning every single day from people that have the knowledge and are willing to share it. So social mm -hmm. media is a huge tool for the betterment of the industry in so many ways. Yeah. Agreed. And Let's end on this. If we, I think that we covered main, the main things, but, and it's a shithole as well. Let's be honest. Social, <laughs> social media distracts the shit out of all of us, I think, sometimes. So there's good and bad, right? Like, I think what I want, I keep on doing this on podcasts, but I, I want to urge roofers that are watching this to stop focusing solely on other roofers on social media because they could be getting more business too. So I keep on saying this, but get into the local kind of word of mouth type Facebook groups with other people, the people that can buy from you too. Just don't get totally focused on, I'm happy that you're on roofing social media because I want to market to you, 
let, let, me, give, let me give you yeah. one, one caveat because I have seen people in those groups make comments like, why are you in here advertising to a bunch of roofers? But yeah. I think that overlooks some certain things because a ton of roofers out there get a large portion of their work from other roofers. Number one, okay. it could be because of a geography reason. Oftentimes it's because of a specialty reason, mm. right? Most companies specialize in a certain thing. If you've got two companies and they know that they specialize in different things, it probably serves both of them and their customer better to refer or partner with each other on certain projects. I see it all the time. And I foster a lot of those partnerships in the industry when I know somebody does something really well and I know other people that need that service, I oftentimes connect them. And usually they're both contractors and they're, they're both, uh, they both are able to make money through those sorts of relationships. I love it. So as long as you're thinking about it from this, a little bit of a, how do I make money situation? Yeah. Sure. I'm always confused by these guys that like get crazy. Like that guy in the comments the other day, because I'm always kind of wondering like, is this guy just rolling in it so much that he just doesn't care at all? Like if it affects his reputation. And then he's like, because somebody disagreed with him in the comments, he went to their DMS and was like threatening their job. And like, there are some like, crazies. There are some crazies yeah. out there, okay, and, and that's what you're seeing in that particular scenario, yeah. unfortunately. Um, yeah. And but as far as most people, I think something that you're trying to say that I agree with is that you're on social media for business purposes. I'm on social media for business purposes. A lot of people don't realize that my posts are business related, but I'm out there presenting yeah. an image and an idea that I want to present. I'm not on there playing for fun. I'm actually there for business purposes. Not everybody's that way. They go in there and they just waste a lot of time. And I think those are the ones that are less productive there. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to talk about? You know, I'm free. Anytime you want to talk, Tim, just let me know and put it on the calendar and I can come back and talk about whatever you want. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging. What's the, if somebody wants to get started, let's, do both links uh, for either NTS or Paradise Claims, where do they go to get connected? So for NTS, first of all, we'd love for you to be part of our Facebook community. It's named that Roofing Siding and more formally named that Shingle. The group has over 10,000 members now with almost 9,000 of them being very active. NTSID.com is the company NTS. That's where you can send a shingle sample to, NTSID.com. And for large loss commercial public adjusting, I'm available. You can see uh, paradiseclaims.com or you can connect with me on LinkedIn or through Facebook and Facebook Messenger. Noob question here, bro. What is large loss? So that's just usually sizable commercial projects, commercial buildings, okay. apartment complexes, condos, HOAs, yes. things like okay. that. Perfect, thank you. <laughs> you the, the podcast is put on by hookagency.com, hook agency all over social. And thank you so much for being on today, TJ. Thanks, Tim.